Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Ah, wow. So um, we are now at our season finale. Isn't it? Bananas <laughs> that we are now at the tail end of season four. And I know this this season took a really long time to get through. We started it at the beginning of the year, and now we are past the midway mark. And normally we, we wrap things up a little sooner, but because we had some interruptions, mostly caused, I believe, by me. Uh, but, 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 you know, hey, we got through it, and and now here we are. Well, as a matter of fact, I think this episode was the first one we recorded... Indeed it was. <laughs> Indeed it was. But it was clear that this needed to be our season finale. Indeed it does. Yeah. Indeed it does. Yes. Yes. So uh, quick recap. What's been going on in your life? Um, You know, doing a little of this, a little of that. Uh, but I will have to say something. I know that you and I are both are in some shape or form taking playwriting classes and I just want to share with you that my playwriting instructor said the most profound thing today if you get pages done you should celebrate so go buy yourself a purse and to that I say I'm gonna go buy myself a purse because I got a lot of pages written this week and my playwriting instructor Jacqueline Goldfinger gave me permission to buy a purse. Wow. So so that's what's up in my world. Thank you, Jacqueline Goldfinger. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what about you? What is like what's what's some great playwriting advice that you have picked up? Because you're doing the Kennedy Center intensive, right? Oh my goodness. You know, my uh, I, I was posting about this today that my heart and mind are so completely full. Um, there, there's just so much. There's so much that I'm. I, I don't know if I could dial in on any one thing. So I'm. I just finished day four, and it's an intensive. So we're. It's no joke. It it is intense, but in a good way. I leave every session feeling um, completely inspired. And I want to make sure that I call it exactly what it is. It's the Kennedy Center Playwriting Intensive Summer 2022. It's a big deal to be in that room. And, and I'm so grateful and humbled and inspired by everybody in there. Um, Gary Garrison, TJ Young, uh, and Greg Henry, are kind of the the three people organizing, running, making things happen. And Gary Garrison has has been the the main driving force and and voice over the past four days. Although today we were we were meeting with other people and sharing our work in um, smaller groups. So one thing Gary said is that stories are finite, people are infinite. Oh. And I, I felt like that was really deep and uh, yeah. And something that you can sit with and really think about and, you know, starting with character. Um, but I don't want to give away all the secrets. I want people, I want playwrights to apply to be in this intensive when the opportunity comes up again. So please go to the Kennedy Center's website. We'll put something in the show notes and uh, check it out because it it feels really good to be in a room with all of these theater makers and just, I'm just trying to soak up as much as I possibly can. I got some good news. I know you've got news coming up too. I found out that a monologue I wrote is going to be included in an anthology um, by Smith and Krause. They have a website. We'll put that in the show notes, but the anthology is the We Us Monologues for Gender Minority Characters. That's going to come out in March 2023. So you can look for that. It's a character 
that I started working on in a class with Idris Goodwin. Yay! Yay! Yes. So I'm really excited about that. Cool. Mm -hmm. I will be a panelist on a couple of panels. A lot of paneling happening. Um, At the uh, American Alliance for Theater and Education National Conference, and that is coming up. The conference runs from July 28th to July 31st. Actually, if next year, Tori, we should go to that because they have a lot of it's 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 right up our alley. So so for those of you that are into academia and um, practices as an educator and theater artist, if you if you aren't familiar with this organization, they have a lot of really cool offerings, stuff that I actually used um, when I was doing my as you know, Tori, I'm in school <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was pulling from their, um, from their journal to cite a few of my research projects and papers. So anyway, um, but we'll put that information online again, the American Alliance for Theater and Education and Tori, <laughs> yes. my play, the sunset tour has been selected by the playwrights for change committee as a winner for the 2022 <laughs> Playwrights for Change National Playwriting Contest sponsored by the American Alliance for Theater and Education. And I believe the prompt was what hope looks like. So I I feel very, very honored that they selected my little play because my little play, that was the theme. When I was thinking about this play and what I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be hope in spite of messy, complicated situations. So if you want to read that play, it is on New Play Exchange. Um, so feel free to, to check it out. Um, but I am, I am very proud of that piece. I'm very proud of where it came from. If you're curious, send me an email and I will get into the details about it. But for now, Tori. Oh, wait, there's one other what? thing. What? A monologue that I wrote is going to be performed on August 1st as a part of Someone Speaking, a monthly offering by Roland Tech. So we'll put that information in the show notes as well. And there'll be a link where I think tickets are, I think, just five bucks. So it's totally affordable. And they always have a great lineup. So it's pretty exciting. I'm honored to be a part of that as well. So a lot of great things happening, including this episode, which how'd you like that segue? (laughs) Well done, Tori. Well Well done. done. Well done. Um, So yes, as we mentioned, we recorded this back in January. And Mabel, how did you describe this this uh, I, episode <laughs> it's it's like i felt like we were like at a sleepover and just like having so much fun with this conversation um yes. yeah i felt really good about it just because this person i feel like we talked to so many people right mm-hmm. and there's like and and many of the people that we talk to are educators in some way shape or form but But the way that this person talks about her work as an educator and her work with students, like we, you and I both, when we first heard her speak, we're like, oh my gosh, this, this is, this is our people because so much joy. Yes. So much joy. Yeah. Yeah. She, she is just, um, wonderful to talk to. So that guest, this person that you're going to get to hear from is Chisa Hutchinson. And she's had plays done at venues like Lark Theater, Atlantic Theater Company, the National Black Theater, Second Stage Theater, and the Arc 468 in London. She has a radio play that's on Audible. She has been a member of New Dramatist, a Dramatist Guild Fellow, a Lark Fellow, a Neo Futurist, and a staff writer for the Blue Man Group. She's won a GLAAD Award, a Lily Award, all the things. And she just released an indie feature film called The Subject. So um, 
check out all of those things, but I want to go right into this conversation because she is just a lovely human being. Without further ado, Cheesa Hutchinson. Hi, Cheesa. Welcome. So let's start with like, how did you, how did this journey into theater begin for you? Oh man. Okay. So I mean, I, I've always been a word nerd. That's like my, you know, that's my, my chief identifier. I think. <laughs> <laughs> a word nerd. Um, you know, I was like that kid in, in grade school who would like, the teacher would be like, okay, write a one sentence per vocabulary word. And I would write three, you know, <laughs> like that. I was very, I was very nerdy. Um, and I used to write short stories because, um, you know, that's what I had access to. You know, I grew up pretty poor. Like we had more pressing things to spend money on than theater tickets or even movie tickets. Like we had to wait for $2 Tuesdays at this place called The Castle, which was <laughs> the local movie theater, you know. So $2 Tuesdays was like the only day I would ever really get to see a movie. Um, or like, you know, we would get the bootleg from the guy at the bodega across the street. Yeah, man. Um, So I didn't really have access to theater until I went, uh, I got a scholarship to a swanky all-girls high school um, called Kent Place. And um, there I had a really badass drama teacher, Mr. Pridham, who has since passed um, which makes me very sad because he was just such a force, man. But that dude changed so many lives, but um, he changed mine um, by, you know, exposing me to plays by contemporary playwrights. You know, like we read the, the first play that I read that I was like, oh, <laughs> like this is, you mean this is what theater can be? You mean people, first of all, like people are still writing plays? Like what, <laughs> you know? <laughs> No, it's not just like Shakespeare, you know, white guys in tights and being now and whatever, right? So, um, yeah, he we I read um, How I Learned to Drive by Paula Vogel was like the first play mm. that I read, and I, the first contemporary play that I read, and I was like, oh shit, this is like this is dope, like this is where it's at. And we what else did we read? Um, Six Degrees of Separation. We read um, a lot of like, Eric Bogosian plays, David Mamet. I mean, David Mamet, um, you know, back when he was. Um, you know, human. And um, <laughs> there, yeah, he took me, me specifically to go see um, August Wilson debate Robert Brewstein on the issue of colorblind casting. <gasps> and I was like, and it was like in this town hall type, you know, there was, we were up in the, in the rafters, you know, and I was like, I felt like, you know, scout in To Kill a Mockingbird leaning over the, you know, <laughs> leaning over the balcony railing like oh. um, just completely riveted by this discussion that they were having um and I really found myself attracted to of course like August Wilson what he was saying um you know look colorblind casting is lazy you know that's just an excuse to not tell stories that are actually about people of color when you say that like oh these classic stories y'all can't see but I'm doing I'm doing rabbit ears on that but like these classics are universal right um, when you say that it it just invalidates um, you know the experiences of people who are not white who are not you know of European descent so it. Um, yeah, I, I, he was like, yeah, if you want to employ actors of color to their fullest, tell stories that are actually about people of color, like, duh, 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 right? And I was like, right on. He's like, yeah, we need more stories about people of color. And I was like, fuck yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Let's, let's go. Like, let's write these stories. Let's get them out there. So yeah, that's, that's, um, that's basically how it started. I would start to like write little monologues and things for the other black girls in my class and my acting class because we were all like 
sick of fighting over the Beneath the Monologue from Raising the Sun. And um, yeah, and then I studied playwriting as well. I studied theater at Vassar. There was like one playwriting class, but whatever. So I didn't really learn much about playwriting while I was there. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I, I went to grad school and studied uh, playwriting for real, for real um, at NYU which actually makes you, they make you, um, for that MFA program, they make you study um, writing for the stage, for the screen, for TV, for, so you, you get the full, <laughs> full, the full Monty there, which um, has come in handy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's how I, and now I'm here. I'm here, I'm actually here, I'm sitting in Houston, in a hotel in Houston, um, because I'm, uh, in rehearsals for my first live play since <gasps> 2019, and I'm too excited to be here right now. And oh man, like, uh, yeah, okay, but yeah, more. Wait, which play? Yeah. Can you, can you play? It's called American. Um, yeah, it's about this dude. It takes place in um, Sharpsburg, Maryland, which is like this tiny dot of a town. There's like 800 people in this town literally all white no other kind of (laughs) just all white people in this town and they actually had a clan rally there it was um small but like you know they had a clan rally there back in i want to say 2015 um yeah and it's it's a it's a it's a weird place that i have to drive through to get to the contemporary american theater festival in um in west virginia and it just it's so creepy like I go through there and I never see a human but I see you know confederate flags hanging from people's houses there's a confederate flag hanging from like a a general store there also and um a lot of trump signs when that you know when that was um in fashion uh so I, you know, you get a sense of like the kind of folks who live there. And um, yeah, I just, I wanted to sort of write my way into some kind of understanding of that person or those people. And so, um, yeah, I wrote about a guy from Sharpsburg, Maryland, just a regular average white guy in Sharpsburg who's just had his first kid. Right. So I just drop him into a very human situation because that's the only way I'm going to be able to humanize um, someone who, you know, might not do me the same courtesy. Um, Yeah. And it's just about these questionable decisions that he makes. He's trying to join the white supremacy um, group, but for the support, like for his family, you know, because the groups are actually I mean, they're social groups, really. Right. And if you sort of take the hateful philosophy out of it, right? Like they do wonderful things for each other, you know, and they're they're there to support each other and look after each other's kids and make professional connections. And, you know, like it's, it's, it sounds, sounds pretty great. So you can't begrudge him that, but you can't begrudge him that he's just sort of overlooking the fact that, you know, they hate black people. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that that's that's what American is about. Is this guy who's um, uh, trying to join this group and uh, has to do an ancestry test as part of his initiation and gets uh, some uh, surprising results. <laughs> <laughs> and that is in Houston. That's in Houston. Yeah, sorry, it took me a long time to land that plane. No, yeah, it's just on my mind, so it's just populating my brain right no, now. No, but Belle and I like to travel to see plays, so <laughs> that's oh. why we're like, what is the the theater? Alley Theater in Houston. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful theater. Like, I'm, oh my god, the people who work here are all friggin' brilliant and thoughtful, and um, and the cast. Oh, the cast. Oh. There, it's just it's all so good like I feel so spoiled right now I'm like shit like oh, you know I I don't know it's it's just it's a it's a lovely place lovely people 
Um, and they're doing a really great job. We're only a few days into rehearsal. So um, opening is middle of February. Tori and I were talking uh, before you came on uh, because we do, we, we, we have their plays that we read that we're like, Oh my gosh, we have to go. And we see have li- yeah. And we were just talking about like, we have to go see whitelisted. Oh my God. <laughs> too excited for that <laughs> can i just tell you i mean i mean you had me at revenge horror play <laughs> yes. and so i love everything about the play not not only how you are able to you know the depth of your characters uh, mabel and i were talking before you came in about how how complicated we are as human beings mm-hmm. and how it would not be interesting to me to go see a piece of theater where the people, the characters are not complicated, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but you inject the supernatural and oh, it, it does. <laughs> I, I like, I don't, I don't want to give too much away about this play, but I do want to see how a phone crumbles and how an actor ends up on the ceiling yes. and the dollhouse, the dollhouse, so, the dollhouse <laughs> with the furniture and the, oh, wow. I'm so excited for it. And y'all, they, CACF actually um, did a video of the props guy who literally, I mean, it was one of those like behind the scenes, like, here's what I'm, here's how I think I might handle this cell phone melting in this character's hand. Right. And Oh my God, it's going to be so good. I cannot wait. Um, Yeah. Wait, when is it being done soon? Oh yeah. What? Uh, uh this summer at the, <laughs> at the Contemporary American Theater Festival. So I'm going to have to drive through Sharpsburg. When is the fest? When is it? What month? Summer. Um, it usually opens, I want to say the first weekend in July. Um, so we rehearse. So I'll be after this, I'll have a little, a little time off and then I'll go um, to it's West Virginia to start rehearsals in June for oh. for whitelisted. I'm I can't even I I'm so ready to see how they how they handle this one. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a challenge because you know we're still in a pandemic, <laughs> and yeah, um, so there are going to be some limitations. I think on like uh, how yeah, there are going to be some limitations, but we'll. You know, we'll we'll work work around them, and I'm just, I'm yeah, I'm stoked to see how they handle it. So it's going to be a world premiere. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, going the, oh, oh, it's going to be the first time I get to see it actually fully staged. Um, I'm I'm so excited because there is there's there's also an immersive element mm-hmm. and I don't want to say what it is because I want it to be a surprise mm-hmm. for anyone attending but I'm so curious to see how that plays out mm-hmm. and um and and just uh, Mabel and I were talking about I said I I wonder how people are going to react yep. you know after realizing yep. right mm-hmm. oh that is so exciting <laughs> Yeah, yeah. an interesting litmus. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Yes. So there is a thread in in the plays of yours so far that I've read, and I I ha, I want to continue diving into your catalog because it's, it's so good. But I've read Whitelisted and Shirley. Good goodness and mercy. Wait, mm-hmm. I'm looking for the titles. I've heard proof of love and redeemed. <laughs> so there's this, these themes of redemption going through your place. So I wondered if you could talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I guess I just, um, <laughs> in particularly in these times, um, when it's uncertain, if, um, People who do others wrong, especially on the basis of race, which is like a, a major concern in my work, usually. Um, I, particularly when people have done others wrong on the basis of race um, and do not see justice, um, 
it's just really important for me personally to have a, um, to have an uh, an outlet or um, a way to try to wrangle some form of justice. <laughs> you know, karmic, cosmic, so, you know, so whatever, right? Like some, I have to believe, I just, I just have to believe that the universe is still working to like try to keep things, keep things balanced or, um, yeah, or, or that if, um, if there are people in the world who do these horrible, horrible things and see no consequence for it that no no discernible consequence right that maybe they get their if they don't get their comeuppance in some other way that at least the people that they have wronged um gain some kind of advantage <laughs> you know get some kind of get peace somehow right like i just I, so i want to write that into existence um and so like with whitelisted for example um you know, here's, um, I mean, not, I don't think I'm spoiling anything, but like we, we, we essentially we're dealing with a Karen, right? Like we're dealing with um, one of these women who will just call the cops at the drop of a hat, you know, who at literally the ring of a bicycle bell, you know, and she's like on the phone to the cops um, complaining about uh, her, <laughs> her neighbors who have been there longer than she has, you know? <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. and who, you know, yeah, so, so we're, so that's what we're dealing with. Right. And it just so happens that, um, yeah, her, one of her phone calls has, um, led to a, a, a tragedy. Um, and I'm trying to think of like how I can put this way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like ruin the, the, the any surprises in the play, but um, but yeah, it's led to to a tragic uh, event, and you know she's just going about her life because she can, because there's no there are any consequences for that woman, you know, usually, but certainly not legal consequences. Like what's that? You know, those don't apply to her. Um, but yeah, so. Um, whitelisted is really just uh my way of trying to write that woman into a situation where she's got to be held accountable you know for her um for her actions for her ignorance and for her um you know uh cruelty you know for her casual cruelty um so there's that uh let's see Surely goodness and mercy is a totally different animal. It does. Um, I focus not on um, the perpetrator, <laughs> you know, like not on the, like there is not a white person to be found in this play. Right. Like right. Um, there's, it's just black and brown people who um, are just living their lives, you know, and, and, and trying to be the best people that they can be be given shitty circumstances right so they're just trying to like help each other out so um it's sort of my antidote to the, the like the white savior narrative that's really popular you know it's just um two people who are not even really in a position to help themselves right you've got this 12 year old kid who's like um in an abusive home situation right and you've got this elderly lunch lady that he befriends who is in a little bit of denial about um about uh her health her deteriorating health um and about this condition that's developing and um you know she doesn't want to deal with it because it's going to be expensive really right like that's her chief concern it's like shit i don't have insurance you know like i can't be going to these doctors and whatever all right so um they wind up you know, helping each other out, um, despite being helpless themselves, right. Despite being, um, you know, they, they become heroes to each other. And I think that's beautiful. I think, um, and I don't think that's uncommon. I had, you know, a woman, 
family friend take me in when I was three, um, when my mother decided that she just couldn't, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, otherwise, I don't, I, I'm not sure I would have survived because they were beating the shit out of me when I was like three. That like some of my earliest memories are of like really horrible abuse. Um, so yeah, my, my, uh, the, this family friend, my ma, she's my ma, right. Um, you know, took me in when I was three, despite having to work minimum two jobs, usually three, right. To care for me and her kids. And, you know, she adopted and unofficially adopted like entire neighborhoods, you know, and she just, cause her heart, man, her heart was so big and she couldn't, um, she couldn't bear the thought of um, a young person not having a home, right? And not having family and um, that, yeah, that shit happens all the time. You know, we look out for each other. We support each other um, despite not having tremendous resources, you know, or even like adequate resources. Um yeah, and I just I wanted to honor that because um, that's not really a a thing that gets depicted um, at all. Really, um, we're mostly charity cases or um, criminals, right? Like, oh, we're mm-hmm. we're just we don't have what we need, so we're gonna steal it, right? Or you know. We don't have what we need, so we need a, a wealthy white person to swoop in and like solve our problems for us, right? It's like no, no, look, <laughs> like we've been solving our own problems for you know forever, <laughs> you know, um, because in general nobody else cares about us the way we care about us, um, and that's that's that. Love, I love that. I, I, I that's. That's how I first learned of your work with that script. So like whitelisted seemed like totally something different to me. But now that I'm thinking about like, um, it's Diego, right? Diego is the, so like he talks, he actually kind of talks about that, you know, like, oh, we take care, we look out for each other, you know, Mm -hmm. like thing like, oh, so that, that, that theme of like, we, we take care of our own um, is prevalent in both of those. But, um, but what I what I love about um, Truly Goodness and Mercy was just that those two opposites, two opposites, right? Two very different human <laughs> beings, you know, age-wise, um, just like um, different kinds of intelligences, right? Like, you know, we have the the, the kid in the polo with his, with his Bible and we have the lunch lady who's very, you know, who's just like in love survival that. mode, just trying yeah. to get through the day with with these kids which is not an easy job and they come together and it's just like it, it's just by the end I was bawling it's such mm-hmm. a beautiful so unexpected and just lovely I just love I want to see that play that is what the world that, yeah that play has been done uh, several times I feel like I've that one is tied I think with done breathing for it most most. productions for the most productions because it's been it got a rolling world premiere so that was cool so it had three productions in a row it's first time out of the gate and then like a few other theaters have picked it up and um and put it on and um and every single time I'm like yes (laughs) I'm like yeah (laughs) and I just love so much that like that story is um resonating with people because I wrote it's very specific like it's very grounded in place and the characters are very particular people right um they're black poor people from Newark New Jersey and it's a it's very particular it's so specific but like the play got done in like Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh wow! And I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. And I was like, are y'all gonna be able to? Are you? Are y'all gonna be able to cast this? <laughs> like, do y'all have black people in Utah? <laughs> but yeah, there are black people in Utah, and they, and they cast all of them in my in my play. <laughs> And it was really beautiful. And the audience, I was very surprised by the audience response because I was like, oh, they are, oh. Because, you know, it's like Mormon country out there, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and it's yep. very, uh, I just, I didn't know what to expect as far as audience response. I didn't know if they were going to be like, oh, this is too, because, I mean, there's a there's a lot of language. There's, um, 
some uh, some abrasive personalities in the, in the play mm-hmm. and some violence, you know, and I just didn't know. I was like, oh, oh Utah, those wholesome wholesome Mormon Utah people. I don't know. I I I don't I hope I hope I don't shock them to death. But no, man, they they were like, you know, they would come if when they knew I was the playwright, you know, they would come up and say, Oh my goodness, I just, you know, I just plugged right into these characters. I love these characters. I know these people. I was like, you do, you know? <laughs> I know what they meant. Like they they know the the people um at the, the core, right? It, the, right. The outside stuff of, you know, the circumstances of, oh, they're in Newark, oh, they're poor, you know, whatever, right? But then there's the the sort of core uh, people, the, 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 the core human, right, in there um, once you get past all those circumstances and all that sort of superficial nonsense, right? Um, and I think... I don't know. I mean, not for nothing, but I think August Wilson will be proud because like, look, our stories are universal too. Damn it. Right. You know, like I told a story very specifically about people of color. Right. And I had fucking child headed Mormons (laughs) relating to these characters. Right. And that, um, that's that's beautiful like that that to me is um that that makes me feel like oh okay good like I'm on the right I'm on the right track here like I'm I'm doing all right (laughs) I think if I can get these very different people to like really see the humanity in the people that I'm trying to depict right um yeah I, I love what you were saying about the audience reaction there, because that kind of leads into a question we wanted to ask you about um, the importance of theater and why, why theater? Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> theater, man, is so. I feel like a lot of people like it's it's easy to dismiss the medium of theater because it feels um, there's still it's still got this this rep clinging to it of like it's elitist, it's you know it's in, inaccessible, and it um, doesn't. Um, it's ephemeral, you know, it's here today and gone tomorrow. And, um, and then, and what impact really can something like that have? Um, I disagree. (laughs) Um, I, I really, I think that, um, some of the most impactful thing or the things that you hold on to the hardest are those things that, um, are no longer available or like, um, look, man, like it's what makes human life so, so precious, right? Is the fact that it ends at some point, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's the thing that, so if you think of it like that, like, okay, theater, it has a, it has a shelf life. Like this production ends on this date, right? So soak it up, eat it up while you can, right? It makes it precious. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's this, um, there is nothing like a live medium. There's just no, I, I teach a playwriting class. I mean, I teach um, various forms of dramatic writing, but my playwriting class is like really specific and it's, um, it's, it's structured differently from my screenwriting class or my TV writing class, right? Because um, I want my students to get a, a sense of the of the possibilities, the vast possibilities, right, of that very idiosyncratic medium of, of theater, right? It's like shit, you know. Like you take something like nudity, for example, right? Nudity, whatever on screen, what we see titties flapping around all the time on the screen is no big deal, right? But like. If you go into a live theater space and there is a naked woman standing there in front of you, it takes on literally a different dimension, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it, um, 
it just impacts you. It hits different, right? As the kids say now, right? They hit different, right? <laughs> it's like, um, uh, so like I have my students do uh, a short a short scene um, that features meaningful nudity, right? Um, and it doesn't have to be like, oh yeah, she gets naked and they have sex and blah, right? Like that's, that's not what it's about. Like you have to find some, what does the nudity mean? in this particular scene? Is it vulnerability? Is it um, intimacy, comfort? Is it, you know, um, for liberation, it's shame. What is it, what, you know, what what flavor nudity is it, right? And how is that going to impact um, the audience who sees it, right? So if you take something like that, like nudity or like silence or like, um, I mean, audience participation, you can't do that shit in any other medium, you know? <laughs> Like that's right. Um, so th- those kinds of things, right? It's all tools that become so much sharper, right? And and so much more effective, I think, when it's in the in a live medium. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is what allows an audience to plug directly into like whatever experience is being depicted on the stage right like that the liveness of it is what it's like a shortcut you know to the soul of your audience you know it's like a um it's an emotional shortcut it is right and it's I feel a little bit like I'm cheating You know, like somebody gave me the answers to the test before the, you know, and, um, when I work in theater because it's, um, because it has all those built in, um, hmm, yeah, all those, all those structures already sort of in place for you to, um, to, to, to support you and to, that you can take advantage of and, um, that you can, you know, leap off of in out into the audience and be like, Hope you're ready for me, you know, (laughs) catch me. Right. You know? Um, Yeah. So Mabel and I saw you do a duo log with Kia. (laughs) Yes. Kia Corthron. And it was through the dramatist guild and we noticed how excited that you got about other people's work about your students and and seeing people make discoveries. So could you talk a little bit about that? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, as I was saying, um, so my playwriting class, um, but also definitely also, I don't want to shortchange the TV writing and the screenwriting classes because um, usually like the typical student that I get coming into that class has never written a script before or has never, but they have an idea or they were like I was and they, um, you know, used to write short stories and then they're like like I had the realization where <laughs> I was like oh shit I've been writing plays this entire time because like whatever short stories short stories I was I'm doing I'm doing air quotes again short stories I was writing were like 88 percent dialogue anyway <laughs> so I was like oh shit I was writing the scripts and I didn't even know it right so when students they they come into the class thinking that they're prose writers, right? Um, Or maybe they are legit, like, for real prose writers, and then they have to, like, you know, they they have to, like, (laughs) really work to wrap their heads around, like, no, this is a visual medium, and I'm going to need you to, like, not be all up in a character's head because you're you're not going to be able to externalize that, right? We're not going to see that on the screen. We're not going to see that on the stage unless you have like voiceover or something, right? So then we have to talk about like the whatever tools that you can use to externalize the internal shit, that we, but, but whatever. Anyway, so all this to say, the students come at it so fresh and so just like, curious and ready and excited and you know they they pick it up like you know it's like watching kids with legos you know and how they they're and i love those kids who are who are just like yeah fuck the instructions i'm just gonna build something right like or or um yeah because they don't they don't have an idea already of like 
you know, like what, what the Lego structure is supposed to look like, <laughs> you know, when it's done. Um, yeah, they just, they, they'll use the Legos in really sort of surprising ways or, um, uh, yeah, just, yeah. It, yeah. And it tickles me. It, I'm, I, I'm like, I don't even have y'all. I'm bouncing in my seat. I, gotta, <laughs> I don't even have words to describe like how, um, how cool it is to see, um, you know, those, um, those articles or those little Instagram videos or whatever that are like, you know, 10 surprising ways you can use this common household item, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's like a total life hack that just like changes the way you see the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's my students with the plays and stuff, right? They pick it up and you're like, look at you go. Like, look at you like do something really fresh and dope, like with that with that scene that you just wrote. And, and um, you know, wow, I never would have thought to um use music the way that you do in that scene um to illustrate um you know, this character's state of mind, right? Like, I, it never would have occurred to me to do that. But yeah, you're right. Oh, I never would have thought to like lower the temperature in the theater so that the audience feels, you know, the the coldness of mm. this particular, you know what I mean? Like they they go there, like they, they really, <sighs> like they go there, they go all the way there and it, um, it just it it excites me um, to to think about like how you know there are people out there um, who are just thinking their way around this medium and like trying to figure out new ways to use it or um, yeah yeah. How has being an educator impacted your your art? Oh, there's uh, I mean it keeps you honest, you know. <laughs> Like, I'll literally, I'll, like, literally say to one of my students, like, you know, okay, so, but what does your protagonist want in this moment, right? Right? <laughs> and then I'll be home, you know, like, working on my own shit. And I'll realize, like, oh, shit, I don't really, my, my protagonist isn't really working toward anything in this scene right now. Oh, my gosh. Like, let, me, let me go ahead and rectify that, you know? <laughs> So it's just, um, so because every time you start a, a play or a, you know any script, really, it's like you don't you have to relearn everything, like every time, um, because you get so caught up in you know character or you know some kind of concept or whatever. Like with um, with Whitelisted, right? It was like yeah revenge horror for that it was like all about the genre and all about the cool shit that you can do if you did like horror on stage and a lot of media and I was like so caught up in that that occasionally like every now and then I'm so glad that I had um I worked on it with um two different groups I worked on it with uh primary stages I was um in their um Dorothy Stress one um, new writers, or they, it's a long ass name, but it was like their writers group at primary stages, right? Like their like new American writers group. Um, so I worked on it with them. So I would bring in pages every few, you know, like every week or two. Um, and, you know, we read the pages and I had, you know, my fellow writers in the class who would be like, yeah, this is great, but I just, I just don't know what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I know shit. <laughs> so I had that group, and then I had um, new dramatists um, where I've been uh, a, a resident for. It's supposed to be a seven-year program. Our class is the first class to get longer than that. I, I think I'm a year now because wow. of well, because oh, they didn't want to short oh. us. They were like, y'all didn't really get like a last year, so we're just wow. gonna keep you on <laughs> um, wow. until you can take advantage, until you can really take full advantage of um, your final year with us, which is <sighs> huge, a huge relief. Um, but yeah, I worked on whitelisted um, with New Dramatists also there with um, in their program. Um, the playwrights, a playground, I think they call it. Um, and that's like two very intense weeks of just workshopping the shit out of your play. Um, 
so yeah, I'm really glad I have those those uh, accountability measures <laughs> in place. Um, but teaching definitely like just keeps me um, keeps me sharp. Like it keeps me um, you know mindful it keeps me conscious of like what it is that I'm supposed to be doing with my craft because I'm over here telling these kids you know look you need to you need to do the you need to make sure that you know the, the problem of the thing is clear by page eight meanwhile I'm on page 26 and I'm like oh shit oh, you know. <laughs> maybe like yeah uh, so yeah that's definitely um and then also I get inspired again like I get inspired by the freshness, you know, by the, the, the fresh eyes that, um, my, my students come at their work with, I'm like, oh yeah, (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, you can do that. Oh yeah. That, yeah. Right. Um, so I've definitely like just gotten, um, excited all over again about possibilities and about, um, you know, um, yeah, the quirks, <laughs> uh, the, the quirks of theater, um, from, from teaching. Now, when you're writing a play, are, are you outlining, I know you're talking about how you lead your students. Do, do you know how your plays are going to end? Nope. It depends on the, um, it really depends on the project. Uh, so like some stuff is like more, Oh, the character just popped into my head and I just want to work with the character. I just want to like, let me just, just like drop them into this situation and see what happens. Right. Like it's, so I'll start there. Um, sometimes an image will pop into my head with whitelisted. It was the dollhouse. actually. It was the, oh, yeah. it was the creepy dollhouses was the first thing that popped into my head. And I was like, all right, well, what can I do with that? Like I'm gonna work with that. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't really outline because I feel like that's going to, um, squash some impulses, like whatever creative impulses or like whatever, um, gut you know sort of instinctual you know that that viscera the the viscera right like I don't want to I don't want to outlining feels clinical it feels um formulaic it feels um and this is not to say that like people who outline like their work is like that um because I definitely outline for like screenplays screenplays I will outline the shit out of screenplay right um (laughs) um but I don't know theater just uh, it feels more precious to me I f- it feels like a medium that for which i want to um really protect the the raw the rawness of it and the you know i don't i don't want to get ahead of myself i like i like to discover things as i'm writing i like to feel possessed when i'm you know i just, just type it to type 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 you know um so yeah i i like to keep that process um as pure as possible. Um, yeah, no, I don't really outline. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. That is very, that is very much. Is it validating, Tori? <laughs> validating. Yes. Yes. Whenever I've, I've been in a workshop and the instructor is talking about outlining, I literally, I feel my eyeballs just like, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. That it's very counterintuitive to me because I don't, typically know how my plays are going to end either. So I really appreciate that um, because I, I admire your, your playwriting so much. And, um, and, you know, your stage directions too are just, I mean, that's candy in and of itself. It really, stage is. Directions. It really is. It is. I mean, I'm reading those stage directions. And it's, it's just, I don't know. It's like transports me. I go, Oh, cause I can, I can, really visualize that they they are not just this cut and dry no they're they're so um they're just delicious <laughs> they are <laughs> i had to make i really try to make my stage directions as interesting as possible because first of all i get bored with like having to set a state you know set a scene i don't want to fucking describe the scenery and the whatever you know like mm-hmm. that's not um, I have no interest in that. Um, again, like 88% dialogue. I'm very interested in dialogue. I'm very interested in like what physically, like what they're doing. 
Um, so, but like I, stage left, stage right, I don't give a fuck. That's up to the director. Right? Like that, that's not that's not really my jam. So like I try to like make the stage directions interesting to me, but then I also mm-hmm. like keep, I, I'm mindful of the fact that there are still some like professors who teach directing or who teach acting who are like yeah just ignore the stage directions or like cross out the stage directions and I'm like don't cross out my fucking stage direction you know so I'm, so I'm just gonna like try to make them as colorful and as as intriguing as possible um be for, specifically because I don't want people to ignore them I don't want people to like you know, uh, so yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hear my voice all up in the stage directions because like, I don't yeah, people overlooking them because if I'm including it, someone who hates writing stage directions, and I'm including <laughs> stage directions, like I'm gonna need you to pay attention to that. I'm gonna need you to actually like put that shit on the stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I really I, I I love your stage directions. Absolutely. So to people listening. Even if you go to see the plays, you must, must buy a copy and read the yeah, stage read the directions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. All right. So um, Tisa mentions, like, when she writes, uh, you know, she wants to feel like she's possessed, which I think is, like, a perfect segue into our Asking for a Friend, Tori. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're, you're right. Okay, so here we go, Tisa. <laughs> If you could be visited by any ghost, who would it be and why? Prince. <gasps> okay. I didn't even skip a beat on that one, but that is. I know. Really that was, uh, this is the first uh, one that popped in my head. I had to go with uh, Prince. This is kind of like, that motherfucker. Like, come on. Like, how? What? Like, what? Um, no, I just. First of all, I think he would just be fun. <laughs> He would just be fun. Like, I would just watch him, you know, float around. <laughs> you <laughs> know, splits. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I, I mean, he's a genius. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's just a genius. Not just a musical genius, but like a marketing genius. Uh, you know, like a, a, I mean, copyright genius. You know, like he just, he just went through so much. He just lived, man. He lived life. Lived it right, and yeah, who wouldn't want to be around a ghost who like has has lived? <laughs> oh my god! Also, like play a mean acoustic. Yeah, <laughs> please write that play. Yeah, ghost <laughs> friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> love it i love it that's that's so perfect all right so uh now we have come to the the part where we do a writing prompt so do you have have you been inspired by the conversation has something like kind of felt right for the moment yeah as far as writing prompts yeah i'm gonna go because we've been doing a lot of talking about um just using theater as a tool to um chip away at whatever bullshit you know um covers up humanity or like hides humanity or right like let's let's use theater as a tool to like chip down to the humanity um i'm gonna use a prompt um that i use in this class that i teach usually with the kennedy center called um writing through the hate (laughs) Mm -hmm. um And it's a class that's geared toward um, understanding, trying to understand as a writer, um, people who might hate you for whatever reason, right? Um, So what I have them do is exactly what I did for American, which is um, to take this character whom you don't like um, and who would not like you. You know, um, if we just went on surface characteristics, right? Like for what, you know, so they hate you, you hate them, but you have to write them into a situation. You have to write them into a scene in which they are dealing with some really human shit. So um, 
with my character in American, you know, he's a new dad and he's the scene that I wrote, the scene, the opening scene of the play is him speaking to his newborn son um, in the maternity ward, like in the, you know, the whole incubator thing, right? Um, a, a someone who's dealing with, you know, trying to care for a parent who has Alzheimer's, right? Um, someone who's just found out they have cancer, somebody who just got dumped in like the most public and horrible way. You know what I mean? Like, so just write that, write that character, that person you hate into a very human situation. Right. Um, yeah. And, and see what, and, and what do you learn about them? <laughs> like, See if you can um, tap into some kind of empathetic something <laughs> for, for them. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. I think that that can produce some really beautiful writing. Yep. I think people yeah. people surprise themselves when they do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, you know, because theater is this kind of a tool for empathy. Mm-hmm. So I think that exercise really taps into that in, in, a, in a direct way, you know. Um, so thank you. And I feel like that was actually a bonus exercise because there was an exercise embedded into this episode about nudity. Yes. (laughs) As you were saying it, as you were saying it, I thought, wow, that is a fantastic exercise. (laughs) Really? So I feel like we got two. The two for one episode. I'm all about the the bogo. Yeah, thank you. I love it. Thank you. We appreciate your generosity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Chisa, do you want to plug anything that you, I I think this episode probably is going to land later after. Probably like mid-February. Mid-February or like mid-February. So if you're in Houston, you can come see American at Alley Theater. I think they also, actually, if you're not in Houston, I think they're also um, filming it or they're making it available via streaming. So you can like, I think it's like a $25 ticket or whatever, a pass that you can use to see it online. Um, Redeemed is still online. Yes. Yes. Love is still online with Audible. Oh, and you can see, oh, my first feature film, The Subject, is on um, all, all the things. It's on Prime, right? right? It's on Prime. It's on uh, iTunes. It's on uh, really any cable. It has it, all the cable providers have it on demand. Um, it's called The Subject. It stars Jason Biggs and Anjanou Ellis, who is like, oh, my God. They're, first of all, I, yeah, they're they're awesome. Um, check it out. Um, it's don't be fooled that Jason Biggs is in it. Okay, it's not a comedy. It's a very serious film, y'all. But um, but they they do an excellent job in it. And yeah, you can you can see them. That is so great! Wonderful. Oh my gosh! Ah! Oh, and would you like to drop where people can find you? Oh, yeah. If you want to be found as... If I want to be found as... I'm all over the Facebook. Facebook is kind of my jam, so you can find me on Facebook. Um, Chisa Hutchinson. I'm on Instagram. I think I'm Chisa BH on Instagram. And uh, Twitter, Chisa Hutchinson. Um, What else? Oh, and you can go to my website, www.chisahutchinson.com to Mm -hmm. see what all I'm up to. I try to keep it up to date. I should probably take a look at it (laughs) (laughs) to make sure that it is actually current. Oh my goodness. Jesus, this has been so much fun. We didn't even y'all are so much fun. Everything you had to say is just so lovely and um I really I could listen to you talk for hours. We didn't need to talk. I I would rather hear from you. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And we're just, we're just honored and grateful that you carved out time today to spend with us. So thank you for that. Thank you. That was incredible. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How much fun was that? 
Yeah, I, I love getting to listen to it again and relive those moments. It, it was just so much fun. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed I, I look forward to the day that we get to meet her in person. Me too. Because Me too. I have a feeling that she is just as fun, if not more fun in person. I totally agree. So everyone, uh, you got two takeaway writing prompts in that episode, if you were listening very closely. And we wanted to make sure to plug, again, um, Chisa's play, Whitelisted, which is at the Contemporary American Theater Festival until the end of the month. There is a link in the show notes. So check it out. And uh, thank you all for continuing to show up and listen and share this space with us. Yeah, and I have to do another shout out for my playwriting teacher because her play, Babel, is also oh. is also um, at the Contemporary American Theater Festival right now as well. So Jacqueline Goldfinger, check it out. Yeah. If you're there, I wish we could be there, Tori. I wish we could be there, but we couldn't make the travel work for us this summer. I know. Yeah. That's okay. We're going to... Spring, spring travel beat the crap out of us. I, it, it did, for sure. And I have to say, after... After my last experience trying to get home from Albuquerque, yeah. wow, travel right now is it's uh it's tough out there, folks. <laughs> like Bring bring a yeah, bring bring a bag of patience and you know, maybe be prepared to drive home if you can't get a flight. I'm just saying. All right, Tori. Well, you know what? We are already planning season five. We already mm -hmm. have uh we already have that going. But uh, I guess this is this is farewell for now. Yes, it, it is. But I mean, it's farewell to farewell to our listeners for for just a little bit. Oh my gosh! And next season, mwah, it is going to be so gonna be a good one. So, gonna so be a good. good one. It's gonna be so good. <laughs> uh, um, and again, if you are listening, uh, please please do go on the socials and whatever you're listening, if you can give us stars or ratings or share, we, we sure do appreciate it. It helps to grow the audience and to continue the conversation. So thank you all. That's right. Thank you. And we appreciate all of you. Thanks for hanging out with us for four seasons. Here comes over five. It's going to be so good. I'll <laughs> yeah. miss you, Tori. You're not going anywhere. I know. <laughs> I'm going to see we, you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, playwrights. Bye, playwrights. <laughs>